You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America, we bring the resource to you. The DU Podcast with your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. Today we have a very special guest rejoining us. He's been a one of our favorite guests. Many would argue, especially him, would argue that he is our all-time favorite guest, and we he's been he's been featured multiple times through the first three seasons. So I'm happy to welcome back Dr. Scott Stevens, Ducks Unlimited Canada's Director of Regional Operations for the Prairies and Boreal. Scott, welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be here, Mike. Although I would say I think maybe I'm really just the guy who's not afraid to answer your call now that they know what you're looking for when you reach out to them. Yeah, you know, I was kind of suspicious that that was starting to happen. Anytime people see me trying to get in touch with them, they think, uh-oh, here comes the request for another podcast appearance. But but hey, that's okay. I appreciate you actually responding and being a willing, uh, willing participant. So thank you for that. You bet. We wanted to have you back on here before we close out season three to talk about sort of the an update on how habitat conditions, wetland conditions there on the prairies are, are shaping up. We're actually recording this episode in uh, getting close to mid-January, January 11th. And you know, we're going to hear in a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of how snow, uh, soil moisture and snow accumulation and all of that type of stuff is shaping up because those things become important determinants for how the the, uh, the, the wetland conditions actually turn out as the ducks return back in the spring. But for starters, I just wanted to chat with you a bit about what you've been up to since we last spoke in November and since the season up there has closed. What's a person do once the uh, duck season, waterfowl season closes in Canada? <laughs> yeah, good good question. So, yeah, I think I think the last time we were supposed to talk, I, I missed the call because I happened to be out in, in a duck blind, but that was kind of it. So, yeah, since then... Uh, 
I, uh, I procured some venison, so that was on the list. And then uh, I entertained myself and make sure I get a little physical activity in the wintertime by uh, trapping Martin out in some uh, spruce forest that's north of here. So that, that keeps me out of the pool hall. I guess. Now, is your venison of the whitetail variety or are we talking uh, mule deer up there? Yeah, whitetail. Um, they have a farm that's like a five minute drive from my house here. Um, so it's definitely convenient. And I was able to harvest a nice mature doe and a nice, uh, at least what they call around here is a nice freezer buck. So what is what does that mean? The ones that, that's big enough to put meat in the freezer, but not big enough to hang on the wall? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I, I have not seen many that, that reached the trophy class, but this one had, you know, the feature that I'm always looking for, which is a nice long tenderloin. So it fit the bill. Okay. <laughs> All right. How far west do you have to go before you get into mule deer, blacktail deer? You can actually see some in the western part of Manitoba, but uh, interestingly enough, it is illegal to shoot a mule deer in Manitoba. Um, so you're only allowed to shoot whitetails. Um, but yes, Saskatchewan has healthy mule deer populations and has some spectacular trophy mule deer over there. So, but we don't get those. Okay. Uh, well, what else have you been up to? I know from following you on social media, you've had another round of decoy projects. So any, any interesting updates on those? Yeah. So maybe the last decoy project sort of, uh, still in the pandemic has been, I'm, I, got plywood over the holidays and cut out a bunch of crane silhouettes. And really my goal was um, I purchased some crane silhouettes, but they're all adult birds. So these these that I made are focused on being juvenile cranes. And uh, I also focused on having these uh, birds painted to have a little more of the uh, rusty color that they take on um, just to give just to add a little diversity to the spread, I guess. That's going to be the difference maker, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I had a bit of fun with you on social media about your uh, the, uh, the the pattern that you laid out there in that plywood. I, I was curious. Is, <laughs> yes, yes, you did. You pointed out that I could have gotten one more if I'd been more efficient. So, yeah, out of each sheet of plywood, out of the first two, I got 11 crane silhouettes. <laughs> but on the last one, I got 12. So, you know, at least at least I made some improvement. Yeah. So I haven't really figured out exactly how we want to go about that. You know, if those two extra we could call them X, we could call them. Maybe I should stop Ulu as I'm um, Ulu is getting upset that I'm, I'm getting on your case. Apparently. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what she thinks she's doing. She's she's guarding something. But OK. Yeah. So I haven't figured out if we need to consider those two additional sandhill cranes is extra and therefore they kind of count towards my share of the spread or if we just need to treat them as part of the story where you failed to get the most out of your plywood. I'm not sure which is the appropriate, more appropriate way to view that. Yeah, me either. I don't, th I don't think they're extra because they didn't get made. <laughs> they never existed. So, All right. Um, well, okay. Uh, any other decoy projects that at this point or on the horizon? No, the, the last step I have with the crane decoys is I had to figure out kind of a system to, for the stakes. And so that, that took a, you know, that took a little work for a guy like me of average intelligence or, or below. So, but I, I think I figured out a workable solution there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I've just been waiting on my local hardware store to restock some of the plumbing supplies that I needed for my stake attachment. And then, then I'll be 
back to finishing off the cranes. Okay. Well, let's let's transition to some, uh, I don't know, some topics that are more in line with our, our conservation and habitat work. And and I guess I just wanted to get an update on, on how things are working there for Ducks Unlimited Canada. I, I suspect that y'all are kind of all still working remotely, but, but otherwise um, you're still rocking along and everything is good with DU Canada still still doing uh, all the important habitat work and getting out in the field. Although I don't know how much out in the field you do in, in Canada this time of year. What, what's it like up there as a DU Canada employee when you're, when you're locked in in the winter? Well, yeah. And, and I should preface my comments by saying I'm not really out in the field in the summer. Okay. So, um, but yeah, the, now is the time of year when, when our field staff who are out in the field during, you know, the, the, the summer, um, you know, they're, they're doing other stuff. They are, they are still doing outreach to landowners and that kind of thing. They'll, they'll send some letters or may have phone conversations this time of the year. Um, but yeah, they're, they're also working on, you know, there's a constant cycle of grant proposals and there's some of those that are moving along. And yeah, in general, we're doing well. Our staff have adapted well to, you know, operating under this new, uh, you know, new constraints that all of us have had to figure out and they've done so pretty successfully. Um, I'll admit we've been very proud of the way our staff have adapted and, uh, you know, we're going to exceed our conservation goals this year. Um, ironically enough, we've, we've seen, uh, lots of success with fundraising, um, mostly from foundations this year. So, um, you know, we've, we've got, solid funding moving along and our field staff are still able to deliver the habitat work out on the ground that they're focused on. So yeah, things are pretty good. Scott, whenever I first asked you that question about what, what to DU Canada employee do during this time of time of year, I was thinking, you know, because everything is all locked up, there's not a whole lot of field work that you can do, but, but I, I actually do think in some cases it's the winter months, depending on what kind of project it is. It's the winter months when the ground gets on frozen that you actually do some of that work. Do I remember that correctly? Yeah, there there are some projects that are that can only be done in the winter. Um, you know, it, especially some of our big marsh uh, rebuilds or, or fixing the infra- infrastructure associated with some of those. Um, I don't I don't think we have any of those big projects going on this year but yeah some of them we require kind of deep frost before we can get going on and uh and they work out there in conditions that can be you know 20 below zero so yeah there are times when when this is the prime time for our stuff to get things done but I I don't think we have any of those projects ongoing You and your dog are a team Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. 
Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. The next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit campuswaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation, united by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation, take it outside. This year. Scott, let's talk now about uh, about the thing that we're all going to be looking forward to here in the next couple of month, months, which is how the wetland conditions are shaping up uh, as these birds return, uh, as the birds return north. We're obviously several months away from that. And as we've talked in the past, it's it's really never too early to start looking at wetland conditions to see how things might shape up at some point in the future. Uh, it's not as though we get an annual reset with the wetland conditions. The, the, the conditions that wetlands are in right now will influence what they're like in six months in some way or another. There obviously can be things that come along during that time that, that make a big difference. But if we go back, let's go back to the fall of last year, because that's perhaps one of the most relevant times to start thinking about what things, how things are going to shape up for this, uh, this spring. So um, tell us, I know you and I've talked about this before, as I said, but just kind of briefly uh, going back to the fall, what's the most important determinant that we start to look at in terms of how things might shape up? Well, one of the first things that needs to be in place to, to increase the chance of us having good wetland conditions once the spring rolls around. Yeah, you're right, Mike. Um, Really, the condition that they went into fall, you know, is relevant. And I would say, you know, by and large across the Canadian prairies, we, you know, we weren't in great shape. You know, we we had undergone some drying and, you know, even last spring, we didn't have spectacular wetland conditions. Things were pretty dry in a bunch of areas. So that definitely plays a role. And then, you know, the other important factor in the other time period that we do kind of pay attention as is as we get close to freeze up. Um, and the ideal conditions would be that we have some fall rains and that the soil is really saturated when it freezes. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we talk about frost seal. So if, if you have those kind of conditions, you have good frost seal where, you know, the ground is saturated and frozen. And when we get to spring melt, when things start to thaw as the snow melts, that will melt typically before the soil thaws out and everything that's on top of that frozen soil will run into wetlands and, uh, you know, help improve wetland conditions. Um, this fall, you know, once again, we were still pretty dry. So I would say soil moisture conditions were not great. We did not have, we did not have soaking fall rains. So, you know, that puts us in a position of even if we had significant snowpack, you know, the question would be around how much of that uh, moisture in that snow would actually run off and positively impact wetland conditions. Yes, yeah, Scott, I know that, uh, you know, 
we're here mid-January. There's only a couple of weeks left in the duck season here, uh, really across the U.S., and it's been a struggle for a lot of hunters. Um, there have been uh, – it hasn't been very cold to begin with to really bring a lot of the birds down. There hasn't been a lot of snow at the northern latitudes. But then also kind of compounding that is going to be the fact that I don't think there was a great deal of – I mean, we didn't have like – we don't expect there to have been above average production last year outside of the Dakotas. We all know that the Dakotas were were um, really wet and certainly on the teal and some of the species that nested there, they had tremendous production. But once you get into Canada, things were fairly dry throughout much of last summer. Uh, so that's something that um, that I think was was may have been overlooked by by some of us given how well things were in the Dakotas and how much production occurred there, people kind of overlooked the fact that we had we had some dry conditions, really dry conditions in the prairies of Canada that hurt production there. And then those dry conditions, as you talked about, have kind of stuck with us um, there through the, through the fall. So it sounds like we don't have great soil moisture conditions. So that's kind of one ingredient that's working against us uh, already. And then, of course, as I mentioned, we didn't come out of the summer and into the fall with, uh, with robust uh, wetland conditions uh, either. So a couple of things working against us already there. The other ingredient that we kind of look for would be what happens during the winter in terms of snow that would subsequently run off in the spring. What can you tell us about uh, the amount of snow that's on the prairie landscape? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I don't have great news on that front either. So we, we kind of have the trifecta uh, setting up against us. You know, we didn't have great conditions in the summer. In the fall, we didn't get those rains. And now in the winter, well, early in the winter, we don't have much snow across across the prairies of Canada. And I actually looked, it doesn't look like we have a lot of snow across the Dakotas either. Um, so not great snowpack. Now I would say, you know, mid January, there's a lot of winter left. Um, especially when you live kind of where I do, uh, you know, I think the snowiest months are kind of March and even into April. So, you know, there's still time that we could get that snow, but as we discussed, kind of those other conditions are not set up well where, you know, where even if we had a bunch of snow, it's likely to dramatically change the wetland conditions that we had last year. In fact, you know, at this point, I would probably say we're going to dry further and uh, and things are probably going to be uh, tougher out there on the landscape for at least for conditions that are conducive to, to birds reproducing well. I talked a minute ago about how how good the, the, the Dakotas were in terms of wetland conditions and duck production. But I think I've seen some maps. You shared some some maps with me that indicate even a good chunk of North Dakota and maybe even into South Dakota. I'm not actually sure how far how far south it goes, but they are starting to develop some some you know mild drought conditions of their own, um, and so that's not a good thing. I'm not sure how you've fared in terms of temperature during the, in the Canadian prairies, but do those warmer than average winters uh, contribute further to a loss of moisture? from those wetlands? They, they definitely can. And um, we, we also have been warmer than normal. I would say, you know, normal temperatures, especially during January, you know, we would be um, on the Fahrenheit scale, we would, we would usually be well below zero Fahrenheit. So, you know, minus 10 could even be minus 20. We've not seen that. Like right now, today, I suspect we're probably 20 degrees. Um, so what you can have happen, which, which doesn't help with maintaining moisture and snow and allowing that to run off, is 
you know, we can have a few days where we, where we get up above freezing and you have some of that snow that, that either melts or, or, you know, sort of evaporates into the atmosphere. And, um, we've probably had those conditions recently because when you get that, you see, you see fog everywhere. And, and the other thing we can see is, um, hoarfrost where all the trees are covered with frost and that's driven by those high, you know, high humidity conditions or high moisture conditions. And, you know, some of the snow evaporating with those warmer temperatures actually contributes to that. So, so we have seen some of those conditions. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, we've been drier than normal. We've been normal. We've been uh, warmer than normal. And those are all challenging things if you're trying to stack up a big snowpack that's going to run into wetlands. And so I guess the takeaway is that uh, as we look forward to the spring, we probably ought to manage our expectations, certainly this year, because, uh, you know, it's not shaping up right now to uh, uh, to be the best. But like you said, there are there are still quite a few months between now and when the ducks will settle uh, on the landscape. But uh Right now, it's probably appropriate to have a bit of a tepid expectation of, of what we're going to find uh, up there. Would you say that's that would be wise? Yeah, I, I think that's true. And, um, you know, the, the other point that I would add is even in places like South Dakota, you know, we, we started out talking about how current wetland conditions kind of carry over across years. And, and that's definitely true. But we know that the best years for duck production kind of happen when we have those smallest and shallowest wetlands on the landscape, when those have been dry and are kind of filling up with water for the first time. Um, so, you know, the fact that places like South Dakota may have some carryover water in semi-permanent wetlands and permanent wetlands is, is good. It's better than everything being totally dry. But it's not as good as if you have, you know, a big snowpack running into those shallow wetlands and filling those up kind of like they had last spring going on. So, you know, the dry conditions, I would say, you know, the, the pond count that we typically get when we have the May breeding survey um, doesn't tell the whole story because the, the type of ponds that are wet really play a, an important role also. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. Well, we will check back with you. Uh, like I said, we're going to be coming to a close here on season three pretty soon, and then we'll start something back up again in the summer. And as soon as we do, I know some of the very first episodes that we'll want to uh, that we'll, that we'll have will be related to how that the wetland conditions actually did materialize and develop uh, in, into the spring and, and early summer. So we'll be sure to catch up with you then. I did want to end, though, with uh, with a quick question about any, um, you know, I, I know we, we talked before in November, you said all the ducks had gone except for maybe some of the birds that were still hanging out on some bodies of water that had yet had not yet or that had yet to freeze. Uh, any Canada geese hang around up there in Winnipeg or in, on the prairies this time of year or is everything locked up and all birds are gone? Well, I would say everything's pretty much locked up. There there could be some, you know, some city geese, I would call them, <laughs> in the city. But um, it has been, I, I can't remember the last time I saw a Canada goose or, or any other waterfowl. You know, it's been, it's been over a month. So, um, you know, there, there could be some holdouts somewhere, but not in, not in any numbers at all. 
I was just kind of curious about that. I know that I've I've seen reports of still some of some Canada geese still hanging out in North Dakota. I don't know how many, but I'm they're isolated to the uh, some of those larger bodies of water, is my understanding. But if you don't have a lot of uh, snow right. on the ground and they've got a lot of harvested fields that they can go exploit, that'll happen. They'll they'll hang out there. So I just wasn't sure if any of that uh, if any of that was still occurring up in up in Winnipeg. I fully expected all the ducks to be gone. Uh, certainly, you're not having to beat off the gadwalls up there right now. So uh, that's <laughs> they have long they have long gotten out of there. But anyway, yeah, I just wanted to check on that. That's Anything right. else that we that you want to share with us, uh, Scott? Before we before we wrap this one up? No, I I can't think of anything. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see what the rest of the winter brings. And uh, you know, I guess maybe the only thing I'd add is we're all hopeful that. Uh, you know, that come May, we will able be able to get that important information through the May breeding survey, um, you know, on duck numbers and pond numbers and those kind of things. Uh, you know, last year was kind of unprecedented. We were without that. So, you know, not a big deal to be without it for a year, but um, I know we'd sure all like to like to get back going on having that data again. So hopefully that can be possible come May. Yeah, that's a good point, Scott. I hadn't really thought about that, but I'll have an opportunity here in the coming weeks to speak with someone about that. Maybe they'll have some insight to share on whether uh, the planning is underway to try to um, uh, try to conduct that survey, get somehow get that survey conducted this year. Uh, obviously, we're still going to be dealing with some uh, COVID travel restrictions, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where things stand in that regard. Because uh, you're right, you know, one year of data, uh, missing data is. Yeah, that so doesn't cause too much pain. But when you start looking at two years of missing data, then then you kind of start to start to wonder. But uh, actually, what's going on with the population and habitat conditions there? But uh, yeah, well, Scott, that's going to wrap it up for us here. We appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate you joining us here on short notice. And yeah, look forward to catching up with you again in a few months. Yes, always a pleasure to be with you and be part of the podcast. So happy to do it anytime. A special thanks to our guest on today's episode, Dr. Scott Stevens with Ducks Unlimited Canada, one of our all-time favorite guests. We appreciate him joining us and being uh, being very accommodating with his time and generous with his time. As always, a special thanks to Clay Baird for the great work he does on this podcast and getting these out to you. And of course, to you, our listener, we thank you for joining us, spending your time with us, and for your support of wetlands waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to this episode of the DU Podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit www.ducks.org slash DU Podcast for resources based on today's topics, as well as access to more episodes. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. 
Mossy Oak has partnered with Ducks Unlimited to bring you Shadowgrass Habitat, the official camo of Ducks Unlimited. Shadowgrass Habitat pays homage to the first waterfowl-specific camo pattern ever made, Mossy Oak Shadowgrass, while incorporating the most realistic, digitally accurate images of the natural habitats that make up true waterfowl habitat. Mossy Oak is committed to conservation as its highest priority. With the launch of Mossy Oak Shadowgrass Habitat, Mossy Oak will continue funding habitat protection projects through our longtime partnership with Ducks Unlimited. Check out the new Shadowgrass Habitat pattern at mossyoak.com. Step into the world of Campus Waterfowl, a community that's shaping the future of the hunting industry. At Campus Waterfowl, we're more than just hunters. We're students. We're, students. we're conservationists. We're conservationists. With the next generation. the next generation. Join us as we highlight the dedication and commitment of young hunters nationwide. Visit CampusWaterfowl.com to become part of our story. Campus Waterfowl, the future of hunting starts here. We are the Ducks Unlimited Nation. United by our passion for hunting, the outdoors, and conservation. The habitats that Ducks Unlimited have been maintaining and building since 1937 have effects far beyond the duck hunting community. Follow along with our YouTube series as we tell your stories and become part of the Ducks Unlimited Nation. DU Nation. Take it outside. 